Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to yet another edition of the Kingdom of Pod. Jeff Caves here on the Believe Podcast Network in Flower Mound, Texas. We've got to Dirk Cutter. And the conversation I had with Dirk on Friday, the 22nd of January, after news was out that Atlanta would not be rehiring him as their offensive coordinator, and he announced he's also moving to Boise. We'll talk about that, plus the Boise State job, what it meant to him, what it means for others, and his move uh, back to Boise. That in a couple of minutes. Also details on Pete Kukowski, the former Boise State the defensive lineman and coach, a Hall of Famer at Boise State, taking the job at the University of Texas. Just a quick reminder before we get to the breakdown of Andy Avalos and the latest on Boise State's coaching staff, but the Super Bowl is coming up right around the corner for all of us, and uh, of course that means a lot of different things, how we're going to watch it at home, but the big game also gives you an opportunity to get a little action, so if you're looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, not just the big game, betonline.ag is the best and only place to Get it all locked in. I've had some great times at Super Bowl parties through the years. And if you are inclined, uh, getting a little bit more action on it, the place to do it would be betonline.ag. Get after it. If you're looking for NBA or college basketball, game spreads, totals, team, player, coaching props, it's all there. BetOnline has more options to wager than any other place. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. That's betonline.ag and sign up today. A lot of the news this week about Boise State football was really about the coaching staff as that unfolded. We've also got a little bit of news later in the week on Friday about the contract for Jeremiah Dickey, Boise State's athletic director. But uh, let's just focus on some of the coaching staff news. And I always find it interesting uh, how we all react or have questions or comments about the Boise State coaching staff, uh, I'm, I'm somewhat reserved on that because I think the chemistry of the group matters, and we never see that. I think how the coaches work with the players matters, and we never see that. And everything that matters the most, we don't get an opportunity to really sample anymore. There used to be a lot more access to practices where uh, media or fans could watch a coach practice and how he handles his players in individual team and group sessions. But none of that is anymore. So when I see a lot of our comments and thoughts about how exciting it is that a former player like Andy Avalos is back as the head football coach or Winston Venables being retained or Matt Miller or Jerron Johnson coming back, and there's the excitement for it, uh, I don't begrudge that because I think if a former player at a school can get a job back there and all things are equal, that's a huge tiebreaker. And the things that I'm talking about being equal, he has to be as good or better a coach than anybody else that didn't play at Boise State. And sometimes, uh, let's just take Jerron Johnson. He's got high school experience. He's got NFL experience. And, of course, his experience is at Boise State. Let's just say Jerron on the field is a little bit under where some other more experienced, uh, affordable 
corner coaches for Boise State would be at. Let's just say that. But he makes up for it in recruiting to where he can recruit kids that somebody, another coach that may be better on the field than him, can't. So then it comes up and down to how a coach values all that. And I don't mention any of this to belittle or to say that Jerron's a bad hire or Matt Miller's a great hire. That has nothing to do with it. I just mean it in the world of how we grade out, you know, was that a good hire or not? There's a lot of things to take into consideration that don't always meet our eye. And they're not going to meet our eye because it's none of our business. That's how coaches conduct things typically behind the scenes. Of course, ultimately, you trust Andy Avalos as a fan. You're just excited that you think Jerron Johnson is going to coach players as well or better than he was as a player at Boise State. Uh, There's been plenty of former coaches, uh, players that are great coaches. Uh, There may be even a lot more, frankly, uh, that aren't. And they don't even get into it. Uh, because they know they're not going to be a great coach. So they don't want to do that. Coaching is a profession. It is not necessarily uh, a requirement that you are a great coach at a school that had played there. There's great coaches at schools that didn't play there. Just look at Coach Pete. So I'm just saying to temper the expectations for the coaches that have come on to Andy Avalos' staff and Andy himself, temper some of those expectations that – just because Matt Miller caught a lot of balls or Jaron Sonson made a tremendous amount of tackles and was a tough guy and Winston Venable is an excitable individual, we cannot have that expectation that they're going to win Fiesta Bowls and all of that to the degree that you will be disappointed in something short of that. And I just caution all of us in looking at these guys with a little different lens in that uh, it's great to see a familiar face back but the rest of it is up to somebody else, and then you can start analyzing, I guess, uh, the position group. That all being said, uh, the fact that Jerron Johnson was given his first college coaching job by Andy Avalos is outstanding. Jerron, uh, I think, in knowing him, can communicate with a player uh, from A to Z. And if, if you think you're too tough for uh, dealing with Coach Johnson now, as he's known, or you're a player that he's recruiting – out of Southern California, and and you think Boise's uh, a place that's not for you because of all kinds of different reasons that you come up with in your own head, <clears throat> here's a guy that can answer all of that and maybe take it to the next level. As it relates to the recruiting priests for Jerron Johnson, yes, he won a Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, he was a member of an NFL uh, football team. Yes, he coached at a high school in Seattle. Yes, he came from a successful high school in Southern California. No, he doesn't just inherit a huge base of recruiting territory. Temper, again, temper some of those thoughts. Let Jerron Johnson grow into this position and then see how it progresses for him from there. I think he's extremely grateful that he's got this opportunity, and now he has to develop himself uh, beyond that. His credibility uh, upon entering a household is is high. Uh, the guy that he replaced, Brown, was also an NFL player. He went to Colorado. So there's just a lot of factors at play here, and I just hope that fans have a tempered expectation 
uh, for Jerron Johnson. Let him develop at his own pace. It's exciting to see him back. You know he's committed to the school and to the attitude, and he'll be out there looking for headhunters. <laughs> and maybe not so much in 2021, you know, literally having guys knock other guys' heads off. Uh, but Jerron's going to want people who do want to play it the right way and are tough guys. I think it's a tremendous opportunity. Now, let me talk about one that, that may have got away. Uh, we'll get to Dirk Cutter in uh, his thoughts on why he's coming back to Boise uh, in a little bit. But Clayton Adams is a former Boise State offensive lineman, and you could say Clayton's one that got away. And I, I can't quite put my finger on why Clayton Adams is not the offensive line coach at Boise State. Andy is still yet to name his offensive line coach. Conventional thinking is that Coach Plough is going to bring uh, Plough is going to bring his offensive line coach from UC Davis with him. Uh, Keen, uh, we've not seen any of that happen just quite yet officially. Uh, but Clayton Adams was in the NFL with Coach Strasser with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Clayton also was with the uh, Colorado Buffaloes and has had a great run as a coach. And uh, I think that Clayton was on the Boise State list. And for whatever reason, uh, I thought Clayton would say uh, no. And the reasons that I that I thought uh, he would say no to Boise State were that he's already in the NFL. Uh, he's making as good or better money that he could make there. He's just an assistant offensive line coach, but he's one step away from getting a full-time job. So I, I looked at that and said, well, I just think he'll stay with the NFL. He's a relatively young guy. And then the next thing I know, he turns around and takes a job uh, at Arizona State as their offensive line coach. And I thought, okay, well, that must be a Power 5 opportunity and a lot more money uh, than Clayton wanted to pass up. Uh, so I looked and, and said, oh, all right, at Boise State, uh, Bedell was making between 285 and 300. Uh, when I looked at the Dave Christensen retirement at Arizona State, their previous offensive line coach, I looked up his pay at about 375. And so I'm thinking, there's not a lot of difference between those two numbers. I wonder what number they hired him at there that Boise State couldn't match. And so I'm thinking Clayton ended up with some kind of a raise uh, closer to half a million bucks, which I don't think they could do at Boise State, especially for a guy uh, you know, who's not been there before. You kind of have to work your way up to, to get into those upper reaches of pay. But nonetheless, uh, that was just a little bit surprising. Of course, there may have been a little recruiting going on. The offensive coordinator, Zach Hill, used to be at Boise State, is the offensive coordinator there at Arizona State. Uh, some comments that Clayton had, uh, those two go way back. It must be when Clayton was at Western Washington as a young coach and Zach was a uh, high school head football coach at uh, Hillsboro High School in Oregon. It's about four hours um, north to get to Western Washington. That must have been the only place I could see uh, those two guys sort of uh, running across each other and and hooking up. So uh, that's what's happened, at least for, for Clayton Adams. No Boise State on to the Sun Devils. More surprise uh, hires uh, being made. <clears throat> uh, coach coming over, Coach Collins coming over from Utah State. Uh, Stacy Collins will also take the uh, special teams at Boise State and the edge rushers. You know, under Coach Harson, I thought special teams – uh, was something that was juggled, and they didn't have a dedicated coach to doing it. Um, coach Ridd did it at one time, and then they they mixed it up with Coach Marks getting involved, and everybody kind of touching it. Then Coach Alley getting involved, and Win Venable getting involved, and so uh, this is a little different approach that Andy Avalos is taking, perhaps, and that uh, Coach Collins will be heading that up 
He's also going to take the edge rushers. He had uh, taken a head coaching job at a junior college in California, and then the call came in from Andy Avalos to join uh, the Boise State staff, I'm sure. Uh, the new D-line assistant head coach, uh, Frank Bailey, uh, who came over from Utah State, wanted to see Coach Collins come with him and probably sold uh, Coach Avalos on him. Uh, that happens often. Uh, I credit Coach Avalos for having an open mind about that. Uh, I think Andy has done a really good job at not only following his own heart, uh, but listening to the advice of some of the others. And I'm sure his heart with, with for example, a former teammate and friend of his, Gabe Franklin, uh, was pretty heavy in not rehiring Gabe Franklin at Boise State. Uh, for example, also, he had to, I'm sure, tell some former guys that uh, he played around and with and coached with, like Wes Nurse, who's uh, now an assistant coach at Carroll College, that you know now wasn't the best time for them to get back to Boise State. Uh, those are tough, tough, tough things for do to do as a first-time head coach, and Andy Avalos faced that. Plus, he he trusted some of his referrals. He went out and talked to the Dan Hawkins and Chris Petersons of the world, and got the recommendation on Plo, the offensive coordinator uh, from Davis. He had loyalty that came to him and Spencer Danielson, who he promoted to defensive coordinator, and said, "Hey, if I get that job, would you stay and do that with me?" Uh, he also looked at. Uh, people like Winston Venable and analyzed what he'd done as a first-time offensive coach uh, handling running backs and gave him another opportunity uh, to do that when perhaps he could have flipped Winston back to defense and got another running back coach in there. He also may have resisted the temptations to elevate Matt Miller to offensive coordinator at Boise State. Uh, Matt did that at Montana State. He's going to stay on the staff as a wide receivers coach. And you could see the temptation, uh, the link to the past that Matt Miller was trained in the Harson-Peterson style of Boise State offense. And you would think, well, let's just let uh, Matt do it. I'm not saying Matt couldn't do it, but you know, Andy had to make a tough uh, decision there and an important one and listen to his heart and uh, went with a different direction for Boise State's offense. And uh, the strength and conditioning staff or personal recommendations from him as is his chief of staff, uh, directions for the Boise State program that could connect them to one of the more successful programs in the country, certainly in the Pac-12 in the University of Oregon. Uh, one of the uh, most recent hires that I thought was an interesting one and highly critical uh, hire, I think, uh, Kent Riddle, retained uh, tight ends coach and sort of a link to the past. Uh, coach Ridd, had a tour of duty now uh, with his third Boise State head coach. Uh, he's had a tour of duty with Coach Hawk, followed Hawk to Colorado, uh, re-engaged with Harson at Arkansas State, came with him back to Boise State in 14, and uh, did not get the call to go to Auburn with Coach Harson. And Andy Avalos did give him the call to continue the legacy uh, at Boise State. Uh, there's a lot of connections to the past there with, with Coach Ridd and how he is going to go all the way back to that time frame. So the hire, I think, for Boise State and the advantage to bringing somebody like Kent Ridd back is just this connection to the past. And it takes a little bit of that pressure off of Andy where the former players and all the contacts that have been established all the way back to the Hawkins era can at times even go through Coach Ridd, who will recognize people, understand that. It gives the director or the chief of staff another option to say, hey, what about this guy? Do you know this guy, that guy, he wants this or that? Coach Ridd can speak up pretty quickly and say, well, yeah, this is what this guy is or isn't and who he is. And It's very valuable to have that kind of continuity. 
And I, I think that Coach Ridd will provide that kind of stability uh, to the Boise State football coaching staff. So uh, personally, he's somebody I've known through the years and a lot of us have. So anytime you get somebody that you've been familiar with over the years, you, you want them to stick around because then you personally have uh, a, somebody that's, I guess, continuity-wise that you can go to and talk to and have a, a contact. And I, I do think that has a lot to do with sometimes what we read. If people have seen him as a player or known him as a coach or known him as a coach and a player, uh, they're going to be likely in favor of stick, having that person stick around. And I've been around athletic directors and presidents at Boise State who are aware of that because they're professional uh, people who hire people, uh, professional, I guess, employment uh, individuals, and they get that that's not the greatest reason always to hire somebody. So uh, I think there has to be a healthy balance. And any coach or any of us would really say you'd rather get a job you know, based on your qualifications, not necessarily who you knew. Uh, when all of those things come together, uh, it's unbelievable. So again, I mention all of these things to sort of temper the expectations. Great players, great eras from Boise State, all coming together under Coach Avalos' staff uh, could mean uh, tremendous energy. Uh, he has selected a variety of different uh, players, uh, some excitable you know, some quiet. I mean, Matt Miller is going to go about his business much different than Winston Venable and Spencer Danielson and Jerron Johnson are going to go about communicating with people in much different ways. But you need that. You've got to have diversity. And I don't mean race. And sometimes I do, though, in your coaching staff. You want to appeal to so many different kinds of players that are out there different territories, different attitudes, different backgrounds. And so he's still got a couple of hires to go. It'll be interesting to see uh, the experienced safety coach uh, that Coach Avalos still has to uh, nail down. And I, I do think the offensive line coach more than likely will come from Davis, but we'll have to wait and see exactly uh, how that works out uh, for Andy Avalos. I'll comment on the Pete Kukowski to Texas coaching situation in just a minute, also get to the conversation with uh, Dirk Cutter. Uh, but first, this from Kansas City Stakes. New Year means tons of all these big games in sports. And with those big games, you need big stakes. And that's where Kansas City Stakes come in. They have the cuts that you crave to celebrate all the playoffs and maybe even for the big game. So why don't you go to KansasCityStakes.com slash game day and you'll save up to $25 on combos uh, that are going to be perfect for that. Plus, you'll get free shipping when you put in the code BLEAV. That's BLEAV at checkout. B-L-E-A-V. B-L-E-A-V at checkout. Mac and cheese melts as well. Shrimp racked and bacon. Mini beef. Wellington steak burger sliders. It's a sna snack pack combo. Check it out. That's KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day. And remember, all those steaks, they're flash frozen, delivered directly to you. Satisfaction guaranteed or they give you your money back. Every cut of steak is there, plus apps, desserts, barbecue, and a lot more. That's B-L-E-A-V at checkout at KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day. Kansas City Steaks, big game, big taste. I found the case of uh, former Boise State defensive lineman and coach Pete Kukowski, who's a Hall of Famer, by the way, uh, pretty interesting, the case that he went from Washington to University of Texas. Now, of course, I've known Pete uh, really since his playing days, and I don't necessarily stay in touch with him quite a bit, uh, but I've had uh, an opportunity to communicate with him, as they say, and 
This hiring by University of Texas is interesting for a lot of different reasons. Remember, when you look at the Washington uh, success that they had with Coach Pete, you know, Coach Kukowski had a lot to do with it. And the stretch of time when he was the defensive coordinator there, really nobody in the country allowed fewer points than the University of Washington uh, while Kukowski was the defensive coordinator. They may have had a little bit of an adjustment uh, last year, uh, but it was the fewest points allowed in those seven years. And he's a highly successful guy. Uh, he does, He has that low. Simplify your federal agency's technology procurement with Connection Public Sector Solutions. Connection's dedicated account managers, commitment to exceptional customer service, and extensive catalog of federal contracts make IT purchases quick, easy, and affordable. Turn your challenges into opportunities and get rid of your technology pain points with Connection today. Learn more about what's possible with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts. Oh, ego, high output, sort of Coach Pete mantra about him. Uh, he is a blue-collar dude. Uh, there is no question about that, even though he's from Santa Barbara. Um, Coach Krakowski is an unbelievable technician. He's a tremendous X's and O's guy, and he's sort of a dirt dog in that he's an aggressive, uh, loyal, uh, great person to be around. Uh, most of us that have come into contact with him uh, would say, if anything ever went down, I want him in my foxhole. And I think that carries through to his players and other coaches that have been around Pete Kwiatkowski. And I don't know enough about how everything went down at Washington. I just know that it was a very unusual set of circumstances when Pete Kwiatkowski uh, let his title go as defensive coordinator so that Jimmy Lake could call the defensive plays and apparently there must have been a communication with Lake and Pete that if I don't get to do that, I'm out of here. And so Pete must have went to Pete Kwiatkowski, and Kwiatkowski said, I don't care, he can do it, uh, which is, again, a low-ego, high-output thing because he's still going to have input, and uh, it happened. So to me, from the outside looking in, um, Pete Kwiatkowski sort of a different person that way, and Coach Lake's approach that he took is different and works for him. Now he's the head coach, and Steve Sarkeesian, who never coached with Kukowski, coached against him uh, when I looked it up when the Trojans was where Sarkeesian was at, and they played Washington in 2015. Uh, the Trojans came into the game with a loaded offensive team, which they normally do, and they had Ron Jones, uh, Smith-Schuster at a wide receiver, Cody Kessler, a quarterback. Uh, they were 17th ranked in the country, and they only put up 12 points against Pete Kwiatkowski and the University of Washington defense. And I'm sure that's where that relationship uh, started on a firsthand basis as he looked at what Washington did to USC that day. And then, then you know, just the coaching fraternity takes over. Uh, Pete Kukowski's had 20 NFL draft picks by the time this draft is over. Play for him at Washington. A lot of people think of offense, but it's really been a tremendous defense. I think that, you know, he was the highest paid guy in the Pac-12. Some of us don't uh, always know that, but that's at least for public schools that disclose their assistant coaches' salaries. That's the case. Uh, about $1.1 million. I would think he's getting closer to $2 million, if not more, at Texas now because, heck, Texas is paying a million dollars for special teams coaches. Todd Orlando made $1.7 million 
uh, as uh, their defensive coordinator before he left for USC last year. So it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to think that's what's going to happen for him there at the University of Texas. Well, Dirk Cutter had a tremendous run at Boise State, and you know Dirk took his time to get to Boise State as a head coach. He had an opportunity to get the job twice before he ultimately did. It didn't work out, but finally in 1998, that's who Gene Blameyer turned to to replace Houston Nutt, who took off for the University of Arkansas. Dirk had three great years at Boise State and then moved on to Arizona State and ultimately into the NFL. He had a total of 22 years as a college coach and 14 years uh, in the NFL. And right now, it looks like he is just waiting for his next opportunity. I want to get to the conversation I have uh, with Coach Cutter and recorded this on the morning of Friday, the 22nd of January. It was the morning after a Facebook post that he had put out uh, went public, and it was him thanking all the people and uh, friends and teammates and players that he coached and coaches and front office people that he'd worked with through his time. And it was interpreted as a retirement that he was moving to Boise. Uh, There's a lot more to the story than that. He had just been let go as the offensive coordinator at Atlanta. And I think that he just wanted to make sure people knew what he felt and thought. So I thought it'd be good to catch up with the former head coach, the godfather, as I call him, of Boise State coaches, Dirk Cutter. Go with the elephant in the room about what's happening now with Dirk Cutter. And as I speak to you, you're in Atlanta, where we all read that you won't be a part of the coaching staff with Arthur Smith moving forward. So what's the latest on on what your coaching career now looks like going forward? Yeah, well, when you when you look back at it and you say it like that, I mean, the main thing is my my coaching career was long. It's been a, it's been 39 years. In fact, I've been I've been telling people 38 years, and then I actually sat down and put put it to paper and started back <laughs> in 1982 at Highland High School, and it actually adds up to 39 39 seasons as a coach, mm-hmm. high school, Division two, uh, college at every level, and and NFL. And, you know, right now I just, I just don't know what's next, but uh, you know, this was a a crazy season for everybody involved with, with all the COVID ramifications. And uh, there's just a lot of change going on. There's a big youth movement going on in the NFL right now, which is fine. And uh, you know, I just, I just don't know what's next, but for, for right now uh, I'm just looking forward to whatever is next. And I know it's going to include moving back to Idaho, moving back to Boise and, a lot more time with the family and a lot more time in, in McCall. Yeah. So another wave of attention came when Andy Avalos took the Boise state job and he somehow brought up that, I, you know, Dirk, it's great that you're moving to Boise. And this is his introductory press conference, right? This is a big moment. And he, he said, you need to bring your whistle. <laughs> and uh, I don't think everybody that's watching or listening to this would understand that, the home that you're building, I don't know, you're going to be able to hear Albertson Stadium from your home, I bet, right? Well, maybe I could hear it when they pack that thing with 32,000 and it, uh, it gets back to that and it gets nice and loud. I'll definitely be able to see the lights. Yeah, So, but he's talking about it at that point and, and some guys want to run with that. Oh, he's going to be coaching at Boise State. I'm like, wow, man. You had a job with Atlanta at that time, but how do you come to terms with where you are with your professional life, it just as looking at that in that manner, you you look back, you can look forward and just be open or how do you do this? 
Oh, I don't, I don't really know how, cause I've never done it. You know, this is the first time I've ever been in this situation. So uh, I don't, I don't really know. And, and back to Andy for a quick second. I mean, I am so fired up about it. It's, it's so cool to see a former player and it's the second former player. Cause, cause Harsh was as well. Right. But to see a former player get to come back and uh, live out his dreams as being the head coach of Boise state. That is so cool for him. And, excuse me, I've been following uh, his hires and he's obviously added several other former Broncos to his coaching staff. And I, I just think that is uh, you as a former Bronco understand as well as anybody. That, that's just a cool thing. And that's uh, that makes it easy to sell the program, you know, so uh, I'm, I'm fired up for Andy. And I just told him when I talked to him that I hoped he'd let me, let me through that gate and let me watch practice once in a while. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been that long. You can't be Jones and, you know, watch practices and cut up film. What what would you, at this point, be doing, right? The combine's been changed. So what is the NFL cycle currently with, with pandemic NFL? Yeah, everybody's, uh, pretty much everybody, I think, is working remotely. I know there's a couple of new staffs that have already have already gone to work, but, you know, you're evaluating your own roster. That's that's where it starts, evaluating your own roster. Then you start evaluating free agents. And then uh, soon after that, you get into college, the college <clears throat> draft evaluation and evaluating college players. And, you know, really a lot of that stuff can be done remotely. I mean, this uh, the technology now with the, with the video and everything, uh, you really can do a lot of it remotely. You look back on the experience, Dirk, that you just had with Atlanta. It's rare that a coach gets to come back. One of the constants is the owner was there and the quarterback. And so you and receivers and some things. So what what now as you look back on this experience in Atlanta, did you take away from it with, you know, part two? Um, well, you know, I was, I was with two different head coaches, Mike Smith, the first go round, and then, uh, Dan Quinn, the second go round. And, uh, you know, I just, it's just unfortunate, uh, this season, we were a team that, that, uh, unfortunately we, we underachieved. Uh, I saw, I saw that we were four and 12 and I saw a stat that we had the, we had the lead in the fourth quarter in 11 out of 16 games. I mean, we, we just were a team that couldn't, couldn't hold a lead and couldn't find a way to finish out games in the, in the win column. Uh, you know, I've, I've said many times, I mean, the, the greatest thing about coaching is being around the players and uh, Atlanta on, on for sure on both sides of the ball, but on the guys that I dealt with every day, uh, guys like Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, uh, Jake Matthews. I mean, I, I had such a good time uh, being around those guys. That's one of the things that was kind of messed up about this whole COVID thing. The players weren't hardly ever in the building. I mean, mm. really the only time you saw the players was at, was at practice and on, on game day. And uh, it, it was just really strange that way. But, you know, just the main takeaway is it's still, a, a, it's a player driven league and uh, you know, the players is what makes everything go. Being around them is, is the greatest when you're not around them. I mean, uh, sitting in your office watching film all day, that's that's not the most exciting job in the world. Yeah, well, and, and everybody thinks that they can sit around and watch film, and we all follow uh, on the outside what people say or think or or feel about what the Atlanta Falcons offense should have looked like and, and ultimately what it was. And you just talked about the fourth quarter. And now you're a little bit removed from it, Dirk. But, you know, when you see what people think the offense should be or shouldn't be, how many of those kinds of conversations are also taking place 
with your quarterback or your head coach, you know, in those moments, you know, fans have their ideas or media, but you guys have the ways that you look at input. How, how can you fill us in on this? Well, I mean, obviously we, we have access to all the data and uh, all the video and, you know, our biggest problem on offense this year is we, we couldn't score touchdowns in the red zone. And, you know, with, Part of that, our kicker became an all-pro. I mean, our kicker made over 30 field goals, but we we just traded too many three-pointers for seven-pointers. And uh, there was another stat out there. I think we we had the fifth highest outscore our opponent, opponents in the league in the first half and the fifth lowest in the second half. And that all added up to losing a bunch of games that we needed to win. So, you know, what's the – what's the secret sauce to scoring touchdowns in the red zone? Uh, if you knew the answer to that, you'd, you'd fix it right away. And yeah, I mean, every, everybody out there, there's, whew, man, there's so many, there's so many uh, second guessers, so many armchair quarterbacks. And, you know, that's, it, you know, that's just comes with the territory. And uh, you know, again, it's sometimes those fixes aren't as easy as they, they seem. So Dirk, let me ask you this about your career. Um, Having worked with you uh, when you were at Boise State, which some people think you were there forever, that couple of seasons, not necessarily true, uh, but it was your first head coaching job. And then you you ultimately get to the NFL, if I'm not mistaken, at the age of 48, right? Uh, Not about right? Probably somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, and those of us that are around you are like, he's an NFL guy. You know, He's an NFL guy. He's ultimately going to be there, X's and O's, Jimmy's and Joe's. And that's the way it is. Do you look at your career that way or did you want to max out at ASU and had that worked and moved on to whatever other job? Or did you just always go with the opportunities as as they were presented, never had this grand plan to spend 14 years in the NFL? And no, never. I never, never thought at all. Heck, I wanted to be, I wanted to be my dad. I wanted to be the coach at Highland High School. And uh, I was fortunate enough to do that. And when you're, when you're in a job and I tell young coaches this all the time, mm-hmm. all you should be doing is trying to do a great job in the job you're at. And, uh, you know, I was, when I really, when I look back at that, uh, 1982 as an assistant, 1983, 1984 as a head high school coach, those were some of the best times of my life. I mean, uh, shoot, I'd, in a lot of respects, I'd love to go back there. And then, uh, you know, once you start on the college uh, journey, and I go back uh, 1985, San Francisco State, uh, three-man coaching staff, the late Vic Rowan, Andy Reid, and myself. And then, you know, we had various part-time guys that are coaching. One of those part-time guys is Andy Reid's tight end coach with the Chiefs today. Uh, you know, once you start in college and you start moving and your family's moving, you know, the other thing that's changed so much is uh, the money. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the money has really grown in college football and pro football. So, no, I just I just always tried to do uh, you know the best best I could do at the place that I was at, and uh, had other chances to go to the NFL earlier. But once I became a head coach from the Boise State <clears throat> from the Boise State days on, you know you, when you talk about leaving to go to the NFL, well, you got a whole staff of people and their families that are that are right. behind the scenes, and they're doing a lot of a lot of work uh, just as much as I am, and so. You know, when the head coach goes, usually the staff is gone too. So I was never thinking of it that way. And when I got, when I left Arizona State, I had really good options to stay in college. 
uh, it was actually my wife that uh, pushed me to give the NFL a try. Really? And uh, yeah, I mean, she, she was, she was strong behind let's, let's see what that's like. And the NFL is awesome, you know, because uh, you know, you do have more family time in the off season because there isn't year round recruiting like there is now, but I, again, I never, it's just always, uh, you know, you know, be where your feet are. Dirk, you, you talked about something there about talking to young coaches and I've spoke to some guys that are on that tree and we're all tracking how great Boise state football has been since you took over from Houston nut and all the succession plans, uh, that have come after that with coaches. And a couple of them had told me something about you. I want to ask you and see how you have talked about other coaches with this. Because, you know, again, we see you as a very strong-minded dude. A, you know, plus B equals C, and all, all of this very linear, hardcore, well-thought-out process. And other coaches have told me, that dude knows how to admit a mistake, deal with it, and move on. And some coaches, I'm sure, struggle with that and how to handle that. Have you dealt with that yourself and, and come to master that and have talked to other people about it? Or how would you characterize your ability to to deal with mistakes per se well i mean it's shoot football is not a game of perfect i mean nobody plays a perfect game nobody plays a perfect game and nobody coaches a perfect game it's never going to happen and uh you know bill parcells said way back that uh mondays in the nfl is is blame day. It's either blame day or credit day. If you lose, it's who gets the blame. If you win, it's who gets the credit. And there is, there is blame because there's, there's fault on almost every play and almost every, every, in every game, there's just, a, there's a lot of it. And, uh, you know, I just think as a coach, it's real important that the, the higher you are up the totem pole, mm -hmm. the more you accept your responsibility and your blame, because we're all making mistakes out there. And, you know, the, the, whether it be the announcers, whether it be the fans, uh, people are always pointing out the faults. Uh, this guy shouldn't have made this play or he dropped this pass or he threw this interception. Interceptions is a, is a great example of it is the quarterback always gets credit for interceptions, but there's many interceptions that aren't the quarterback's fault. And so I just, I just learned, uh, you know, that it's, it's okay. It's okay for a coach to say, Hey, I, I screwed that up. And, uh, yeah, the players definitely respect that because, you know, as a coach, you you want your players to admit their mistakes and learn from them and move on. And, well, coaching should be no different than that. So, Dirk, now that you're relocating to, to Boise, I was analyzing your moves and thought, I don't know, Dirk. You could have property in Jacksonville, Tampa, Atlanta. I know McCall and now Boise. So you may be spending three months, four months, however this is going to – how did you package all this in terms of – where you were going to uh, spend the majority of your time. Yeah, that was a, that was a, you know, when Kim and I were, you start looking at that, you know, when you get, when you get up there in age a little bit more, you start looking at where are we going to end up? Cause mm -hmm. once, once you start moving around, I'm, I'm really jealous of, of my friends that have lived in the same house and have this, have friends that they've been around for 30 years. And, you know, we just, we just don't have that. I mean, we, we have a, a few friends in every place we've ever lived, but at some point in your life, you've got to decide where are we going to end up? And, you know, we kicked a lot of things around and it, at the end of the day, it was just, uh, 
you know, we fell in love with McCall years, years ago. And I've always been jealous of my friends that could be up and down that hill in two hours and be, be back home. And, and just, uh, uh, the ease and the, what a cool place Boise is to live, being able to all the things you can do, a great airport, a very progressive place, the outdoor stuff close to my my family in Pocatello. I have family in Boise and, you know, some of our best friends in the world live in Boise. We just decided that that would be the best place to end up. Long-term. Yeah, that that was I, I thought an interesting, you know, opportunity for you to to really look at. The advantages of me- meeting friends along the way, and then now maybe you're recognizing close to your family in Pocatello, brother in Boise, other family, and and now we're we're seeing you know even you know your son may be there, right? And how much all this plays into it because you've been unavailable for your kids' fall some fall activities your whole career, right? Is this a part of it too? Yeah, really excited about that. Now, you know when when we started down this process. Uh, Davis, our youngest son, was attending Portland State, and then he entered the transfer portal. He was all set to go to Missouri. Uh, so we were looking forward to, you know, that's another place we used to live. And that's right. Two of our kids were born in Columbia, Missouri. So we were looking forward to that uh, when once Andy Avalos took over and uh, Davis had the opportunity to, to go back to Boise State. That's, that's just a bonus. Like, regardless, uh, Davis has two years left to play. And I'm really excited about being able to go to his games and and uh, and just watch like like every other parent does. And uh, I've only got to see uh, two of his college games in three years live, and uh, just really looking forward to that. Is there anything else on your list, Dirk, that you want to cross off? You're a goal-driven guy, so <laughs> do you, do you ever think about you, you don't mind talking about the game, or you don't want to be that guy? I've talked to other guys like, no, I don't want to. No, I, I'd rather play golf and then blank. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really know. I think. I think I probably will uh, talk about the game some in what mode that presents itself. I, I don't know yet. Uh, you know, I just had a conversation with Chris Peterson about this uh, yesterday, and uh, uh, you know, you know Pete, and uh, you know I love talking to Pete, and Pete's got <laughs> you know tons of irons in the fire right now, but. I just, I really don't know. I don't, I just really don't know what's next, but uh, just take it as it comes and we'll be fine. Well, man, thank you so much. Uh, a lot of uh, people I'm sure wish you nothing but the best here and whatever happens, but sooner or later they'll find you in uh, Boise somewhere. You don't want to give out your address, right? The guys <laughs> looking for a, a beer and a hamburger or something, right? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it, we haven't had time to do that very often. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be great to reconnect with people that we haven't seen. And uh, uh, so many, so many great folks along the way that made all this possible. So, you know, we'll, we'll be around and uh, hopefully have, have quite a few years left to enjoy it all. Before we close out this uh, kingdom of pod, do invite you to rate review, uh, follow, you can go to kingdom of pods uh, website, the uh, kingdom of pod.mailchimpssites.com. And you could follow along there. I'll also email things to you. But uh, this news also came out uh, today that Jeremiah Dickey's contract has been formalized at somewhere over $400,000 with some incentives. Uh, it's a five-year deal, which I think is great. Gives coach, uh, gives Jeremiah a reason to really invest in Boise. He's got some moving expenses and some things to, to take care of. In a pandemic time, I'm sure he can do what he can to 
you know, stay at home because everything is by Zoom right now. So there's there's no big meetings he's going to be able to have on campus for quite some time. So it's much different. It may not always be as important where he is, but who he is. So uh, I thought that was good and breaking news. All right, thanks to Dirk Cutter for giving us a special conversation. I did put out the YouTube video of the, our conversation. If you'd rather see uh, how Dirk looks and what he said and how he said it, you can uh, just search that on YouTube. Just search uh, Jeff Caves or Dirk Cutter, and I'm sure you'll find it. Thanks for joining me here on the Kingdom of Pod. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.